0: Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Steven Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.
1: Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up.
2: It's time for another Vegas Nation podcast. You're listening to the Raiders postgame edition.
3: I mean, yeah, I'm definitely proud of this team just just because of how we fought through adversity throughout the whole year. Um, obviously, it's not how we wanted it to, to end. Um, I know I'm going to be upset when I watch the film on certain things. Um, but, man, I'm definitely proud of the guys, man. Proud of the perseverance they had all year. Proud of them uh, battling through injuries to, to play in this game. I mean, it just shows what kind of commitment they had to the game and what kind of love they they had for the game. So, man, it's, it's definitely been a, a huge honor for me. I mean, it's just the little things we got to tweak. I mean, the great teams are, are the most disciplined. Uh, they pay attention to the, to the little details. Um, I mean, and the penalties obviously hurt us. <clears throat> um, getting in the red zone and not converting, especially against good teams, I mean, it's going to hurt you. It's going to come back to get you. Um, and I feel like all year we've kind of been on that. Um, So, I mean, just kind of caught up to us um, um, today. And man, yeah, that's one thing that I know that the guy's gonna come back and, and, and try to execute
2: what's up everybody welcome to the vegas nation final post-game edition here after the raiders lost uh the wild card game super wild card weekend took place and they fell to the Bengals, 26 to 19 a lot of errors a lot of things led to this loss a lot of little mistakes refereeing officiating we'll get into all of it but first before we uh get into it i want to remind everybody to hit subscribe wherever you're listening and also we are brought to you by station casinos stn sports download the mobile app today and get a bonus of up to $100 when you sign up. I'm Heidi Fang hosting here and I'm joined with our Review Journal sports columnist, Ed Greeny and Raiders writer and everything else in between. (laughs) As far as the writing goes, Adam Hill. Uh, We're going to go ahead and get into this now here. The Raiders... Again, lose to the Bengals 26, 19, the final score here in Cincinnati. So I feel like it kind of started off early, um, with mistakes and such happening in this game and the Raiders just never were able to really recover Joe Burrow and company. Uh, they, the defense held them pretty good considering the amount of points here. But, um, when you think about things like Peyton Barber stepping out of bounds at the two yard line, when the ball looked like it was about to head out of bounds and give them a a 40 yard, uh, position there on the field. Those are the things that contributed to this. Adam, what was your initial thought when you saw that? You know, it was one
4: of those moments where I think you're just watching and you get the, you know, the sense that it's a little bit like the moment, not that's too big, but, you know, guys kind of try to do too much sometimes. And they're, you know, trying to make a play when maybe shouldn't be making a play or when something's not necessarily there. And I just felt like he was overthinking everything. And, and I think a lot of the guys were early on in the game. And I think they did settle in for the most part. Uh, but we did see a lot of penalties and, um, you know, a lot of what Rich Besachke called uncharacteristic stuff. But I would say it kind of is characteristic of this team sometimes. Um, but we did see a lot of those, you know, mental mistakes and, and penalties that were committed and, and just things that sometimes are indicative of, of trying to do too much. And I think there was the case. I think in his mind, he thought. He could jump to the sideline and uh maybe land and that it would count as a uh you know as a as a kick out of bounds, but you have to put one foot out of bounds and then catch it. Like there's a whole process to doing that play. And I just think, you know, maybe in that moment, just trying to do way too much, which I think sometimes is uh the danger of being in the playoff.
2: Yeah, and you um Talk about that. And you see those little mental errors costing him, the penalties that backed him up. Josh Jacobs even said there in the opening comment that I played with the post game remarks that he must have had uh, at least 50 yards taken back after penalties. Ed, first, I want to get into this penalty with the Tyler Boyd touchdown in the second quarter. What did you see as that unveiled? Because a lot of people, you know, are looking to the NFL for answers. And right now they're they don't have any <laughs>
0: Well, I think it's more not what we saw, but what we heard. And we heard the whistle. Uh, We heard the whistle um, during the play. There was a question whether Joe Burrow had stepped out of bounds uh, before he threw it. He did not. We saw that on replay. But there was definitely a whistle. And when you hear a whistle, you know, people say, well, you should play to the whistle. What does that mean? Well, when you hear it, you stop or you hold up. So I'm sure a lot of the Raiders held up and stopped and probably a lot of the Bengals. Um, The league released a statement um, after the game that I believe, and Adam can correct me if I'm wrong, said the whistle happened after the catch. We know that's not true. Um, The whistle came before it. Adam was playing it in the press box for us on the video. So, you know, they blew that call. Um, But again, you know, the Raiders are one of five in the red zone and one of six inside the 30. I mean, that's on them. You know, Daniel Carlson trotting out in a playoff game on the road, hitting four field goals. You're not going to win that game. You've got to convert on touchdowns on the road in the playoffs. So I'm, you know, I'll walk away saying, they blew some calls, but I think it was far more on the Raiders that they couldn't finish drives and, you know, it shouldn't take away from a really good season. I mean, Mike Mayock said before the season, we're a playoff team. Well, they got to the playoffs so you can make the argument that they succeeded and they did what they're supposed to do. Um, But they left points out there. And, uh, you know, I, I think the team that, you know, should have moved on, moved on. I'll leave it at that. I don't think the Bengals were great, but I think they should move on from what we saw today between both
4: teams. That's like two things to to that point. And I mean, I think, yeah, if if you would have said before the season that the team makes the playoffs uh, through all the adversities and and craziness that went on with this team, I think you would say, yeah, they overachieved. There's no question about it. Uh, This is a team that was picked, um, you know, on the odds boards to be last place in the division, a team uh, whose win total was like seven and a half or eight, depending on where you shop. So um, making the playoffs and getting to this point, I think you could have got like three and a half to one uh, on them making the playoffs. So that was an accomplishment in and of itself. But. Once you get there, you you want to put your best foot forward. And I think this was about as favorable a matchup as it could have had. Uh, it was a winnable game and it was right there to win. And um, uh, so I think you look back and say, yeah, probably in the grand scheme of things, overachieved considering everything, but uh, really a disappointing way to end the season and a game that you had right there in your hands to be able to win. And on that call, the what the what league the league wasn't saying that the whistle came after. They were saying that's what the officials decided on the field. So they were. It was kind of a cop out because I've, I've heard people, you know, saying this on Twitter. Well, like we obviously know that the whistle wasn't after, uh, wasn't after the play was over. But what the league is saying is the officials on the field met and decided that they thought they heard the whistle after the catch, and that made it a you know a successful play that they didn't have to do over. But obviously that wasn't true. So I mean, the league is essentially saying they got it wrong without saying they got it wrong. Uh, They're saying that was decided and that is not a reviewable play. There's a specific rule that you can't review whether or not a whistle was blown before or after uh, a play, if it's an inadvertent whistle. So kind of got, they kind of got into a bad spot there. The Raiders did Uh, maybe they will change that rule in the off season and say, Hey, you can review when a whistle was actually blown on a play like that. Uh, But no solace for Raiders fans right now, for sure, who had to deal with this and, you know, so many playoff games marked by weird calls in Raiders lore, uh, this just adds to that mystique.
2: And, uh, for the flip side of it, kind of, uh, the Bengals, uh, had signs up that said the curse is broken with the Bo Jackson curse. So <laughs> I saw a lot of those when I was leaving the field, uh, they must've been holding on to him for just in case, uh, of course, you know, the, the incident where Bo uh, was injured and then he, um, they found out what happened and how serious it was and that the, uh, was it seven straight that the Bengals lost? In the in the playoffs since then,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I, think I, don't, was... I don't think they won, they haven't won a game in 19 years until today.
2: Right, right. So uh, as they said, the curse is broken. And uh, overall, like we talk about all the mistakes and everything made, but I mean, Carl also said in his post game that we'll hear from here on the way out on the break, uh, just about how um, the team kind of now learned, they got the playoff experience under their belt and Carr himself committed a couple of mistakes. There was the sack where he fumbled. And then of course uh, the interception that was thrown uh, towards the end of the game. So that sealed it. Uh, and but that was a fourth down anyway. So if you don't throw that pick, you know, it, it, the, the game's over anyway, but um, it just, when you, when you talk about all of the little things that added up, Adam, what, was there something or anything in particular that really stood out to you? Or was it just like we've been talking about a, a, a whole conglomeration of mistakes that happened? Well, I mean, it's some of the
4: mistakes that have been showing up all year. Obviously, the penalties, but both teams had the same amount of penalties uh, in the game. But there was really costly penalties for the Raiders. I mean, three holding calls on one drive, uh, which were brutal. And a couple of those were big plays that they picked up. Uh, but I think the thing you really circle from this game um, is – Another thing that has shown up all season long, it's the red zone on both sides of the ball. Uh, In particular today, it was the offense that stood out. I mean, they could not finish drives. They're moving the ball up and down the field. They outgained the Bengals. They had more yards per play than the Bengals. Uh, Statistically, uh, you look at the stats and you would think that they probably won this game, but they couldn't finish off drives in the red zone. It's just been a recurring issue for the Raiders. One of their worst seasons ever uh, in touchdown percentage. Um, And then also... uh, you know, just all the field goals that they're kicking today was just it was, you know, a microcosm of what's gone on all season, getting up and down the field, getting into scoring position, not finishing off drives. And then obviously, uh, costly turnovers One early in the game that was that proved um, not as lethal as it could have been uh, because they were able to hold the Bengals to a field goal. But then obviously the last play of the game uh, was an interception and too many late interceptions, too many pivotal uh, turnovers. Um, and not enough success in the red zone has done this deep man. One
2: hundred percent. I can't, uh, I agree completely with you. So let's go ahead and hear from Derek Carr here as we head into our break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the future of the Las Vegas Raiders and what could come here in the off season after the team lost 26, 19 to the Bengals here in Cincinnati.
1: After the 2016 season, especially cause I broke my ankle, you know, there was like so much like, Oh, we're going to do everything now, you know, and that's fine. Um, but I think we came back a little arrogant. I think we came back a little pompous, and uh, we didn't work the same, you know. And uh, arguably had a more talented team. And so the the drive now is to is to make sure that that doesn't happen because I've experienced that, and to make sure that doesn't happen, so we do keep going forward. Now that we've experienced this, you get out there and play. You're like, oh my gosh, this it's not different. Like you you know you don't know until you play it, you know, in playoff game. But you get out there and you're like, oh yeah, we can do this, and so you get a taste of it, and it—I don't know—it did something to my heart, man. I thought I was on fire, but it made me even more. Just, I just can't not play in the playoffs. You know, you know what I mean. Um, so, we'll make sure that we keep our head on straight. Um, a lot of accolades for a lot of guys this year, and you know, a lot of people are gonna pat us, pat us on the back, and all that kind of stuff. I, uh, hopefully, hopefully, we just keep that edge to us. You know. Um, Because I think that's the difference in this team uh, than in the past teams I've been on, is that we have an edge to us and a belief in us that we really can do anything. But the Bengals beat us today, and we came up short today.
0: (laughs) Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Steven Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.
4: Everybody asks us about our identity all the time. You know, I think we as the year went on, we're trying to, you know, forge an identity. And I think if you take some of those things, take the take the effort and take the the ability to compete to the bitter end and take the way in which they care for each other and how they play for each other and have each other's back. I think that's certainly a philosophy that you know that we can build on in the future. Fish, do you have any problem you know, in terms of your willingness maybe your interest in a full-time job you know, right <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking about those guys in that locker room that um, played a game and put their heart and soul out there like that and had a chance to win at the end, and, and we did.
2: OK, right there on the way back, you heard from Coach Basaccia uh, about what could happen maybe with his future uh, in the Raiders organization as the season comes to an end here at the wildcard game. It's time for the Raiders to make some decisions. What will happen with the head coach search? And right now, who do you think might be a viable candidate if not Basaccia? Um, Well, the
0: name we keep hearing is Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan coach, um, started his coaching career with the Raiders, and he's kind of a name that we keep hearing. Look, this is what happens at the end of the season with interim coaches who do a pretty good job. Everyone's going to say they love him in the locker room, and I'm not saying that's not right or that's not true. I'm sure they do love him. I'm sure they'd like to keep it this way. But Mark Davis has to make a decision for the next several years of his franchise, not because you do emotional things because players, you know, uh, players fall in love with a certain guy. Um, so I don't think he'll be the full-time coach, Rich Passaccia. Um, and another thing, I don't know if Mike Mayock is going to be the general manager. I don't know if Derek Carr is going to be back. There's a lot of major decisions for the owner to decide right now. But I think first of all, you kind of have to understand who your GM is and then how much power you are going to give that GM to hire the coach? Um, I, that's usually the way it goes. So if it is Mayock, I think the coach could come pretty fast because they've probably already been thinking about it. If it's not Mayock, it could take a little while, right? Because I'm sure any GM coming in is going to want to have a saying to the coaches. I just don't think it'll be Rich Passaccia. I think Rich did a terrific job, got him to 10 wins, got him to the playoffs. They love him like crazy. That's great. But I think Rich Passaccia probably knew after the game. We saw him get emotional. I think he probably knew what the future holds. Um, he'll get a job somewhere, probably not as the head coach, but a special team coordinator. He did a really good job. So he's not going to be out of work next year, no matter where he is. But yeah, a lot of major decisions coming up for Mark Davis. And he's got to get home tonight and start making them.
2: Adam, do you feel like Bisacchi will stay within the Raiders organization or do you think he'll move on to someplace else?
4: I mean, it it, will be tough. Like, I'm sure that's going to be an option that whoever the new coach is, if it's not Bisacchi again, I think we're operating on that assumption that it's not going to be Bisacchi. But if it's not him, you know, a coach might say, hey, look, he did a great job. He was on special teams. Um, Let's bring him in and be the coach, especially because. I mean, if you want to know what the strength of the team is, I'm gonna to have to say it's special teams. you got you got um, you know AJ. Cole and Daniel Carlson just having unbelievable you know all pro type seasons. So um, you know, I think you uh, you would look at Piataccia, but it would be, it will be a bit of an issue for whoever comes in as the new coach to to have that guy that has so much respect and so much clout in that locker room um, as an assistant coach. Sometimes that becomes a little bit difficult. Uh, for somebody that's trying to put their mark on the organization, so it might be difficult in that regard. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, there. But you know, I'm yeah, obviously I'm you know as a Michigan fan, uh, I'm a big Jim Harbaugh guy. I think that would be very interesting. Uh, but I think you got to look at younger coaches, and and I think anybody that knows anything about my, you know, thoughts on football and strategy, um, probably knows that I want a mathematician, um, somebody who understands math and probabilities and. Um, there's too many old-school thinkers that don't. Um, I, I thought, listen, I, it's a small thing, um, but in the grand scheme of things, things it is a big thing. Um, the The downing of the ball, the uh, the spike that the Raiders had on the first down play inside the 10-yard line was an egregious mistake. It was egregious. And, and I don't think that's Carr. I don't think he's deciding to do that. I think that's called in. Um, and that's just not understanding time and situation and not understanding the value of a down and, and where you are on the field. And yeah, you had no timeouts, but get up to you got to the line, you got in formation, run a play. Yeah. I and mean, you four tries instead of three. Yeah. And um that that you know as much as people don't n- don't understand what analytics are, like that is analytics. Understanding the time and what you know what each down is valued as, as far as time and distance and down and all those things, um, that is part of it. And so I'm very much you know, in the mold of Brandon Staley, I know people don't like that it didn't you know work out in a lot of cases this year, but um, that is the proper way to coach. Um, I have a I have some guys in mind that people don't really know about. I'm actually stunned that Mike McDaniel got an interview for a head coaching job. Um, he's a guy I would consider. He's a guy I would definitely look at. And he's um, essentially the run game coordinator for the 49ers. He's their offensive coordinator, but um, really he's in charge of the run game. And by the way, the 49ers have an unbelievable running game. Um, and a uh, Yale mathematician uh, is Mike McDaniel. So um, I'm kind of in for that. Uh, we'll see, you know, how many interviews he gets, but he did get at least one head coaching interview. And um, I would at least not he hasn't really been tied to the leaders, nobody's mentioned him, but he's a guy that I think is going to become a hot prospect, if not this year, then next year.
0: Well, right. and the other the other thing real quick is on that is you are you're trying to tie a game to stay in the playoff uh, pitcher at the end there. And it's almost like a third and 30 draw. They're called give up plays. And I don't know if I want to do a give up play when I only have four shots to tie a game in the, in the final second. So Adam's right. I mean, that's just a total give up and you're taking a play away from throw a fade to Brian Edwards, who was supposedly going to be this fade guy all year. And he was going to make all these big catches, do something to where you're not going to get it intercepted, but maybe a guy goes up and makes a play. And they, they clocked it and I agree. It's not Derek. Derek's looking over. Derek's got the green dot on. They're telling him what to do. He's, they're calling the plays, and he's not telling them to get the line to spike the ball. He's not doing that. So whether it's Bisacci or Olson, and I'm assuming it was Olsen, it was the wrong call. Don't and, know and, if they would have scored. Don't know if they would have won, but it was the wrong call.
4: And, and by the way, I, I want to make clear that this is not, you know, me two hours after the game, three hours after the game. Um, you know, so it, this
0: kid was he was he was yelling about it
4: right when it happened. This kid yeah. in the press box, <laughs> so I was like, well, no. as they're going to, as they're hurrying to the line, I was like, Don't spike it, don't spike. What are you doing? And then they go up to the line and they spike it. And I, I just thought, and listen, uh, I, I don't, it's not one of those plays that a lot of people maybe notice at the time. I think a lot of people, traditional thinking in football is you got to stop the clock and, and like, but you don't, you, you're out the line of scrimmage, to run the play. And I, I believe. Um, somebody had the stat that it is the most time remaining in a game where a team spiked the ball in a first and goal Mm -hmm. situation. Um, And at least the last seven years since we've been tracking those sort of things. So um, a really, really bad mistake by the Raiders late in the game. And I know people will look at the interception on fourth down and, um, and that's what you're going to focus on, but that was bad.
2: You know, even like the um, field goal, Uh, That took place, I think, from in between the third to fourth quarter when they were driving down and then, you know, the time expired there in the third and then they go. But they had, you know gone all that way and had all those plays where they could have kicked at one point, I think, cause they went for it on fourth down. So they could have kicked a field goal. That might've been like a 54 yard attempt from where they were. I believe they were on the Bengals 38 um, yard line or so. So no, I'm sorry. Like 34 yard line. So I was doing the math in my head. I'm like, that might be like a 52 yarder for Carlson. I think at that point, instead of taking the next five minutes to continue your drive, you might have taken the chance there. But instead of going for it on fourth to convert because they were only down 10 points at the time. so that was where I was looking at it and thinking, huh, did they just waste an extra five minutes of time that could have been, if, you know, the defense held up, uh, just another possession somewhere there later in the fourth quarter as opposed to the the last one that they had? But um, anyhow, a uh, question just as we wrap things up. I know, like we said, it's early. Um, you know, we're running out of time here on the show tonight, but Ed Mike Mayock, did he prove enough to be able to stay on as the GM or do you think that that'll be a position that they look and evaluate as well in the off season and make a decision on whether or not Mike Mayock remains as the general manager of this team?
0: Well, a big part of the general manager's job usually is to draft, but here, here's the problem with Mike Mayock. We don't really know how Mike Mayock going to do without John Gruden because John Gruden made all those decisions. So maybe Mike Mayak would be a great GM under the, you know, out of the cloud of John Gruden and he could start making decisions. We don't know that though. And that's a chance Mark Davis is going to have to take if he brings Mayock back because Gruden was the all encompassing power guy who made all the decisions, no matter if Mayock was the GM or not. So I think Mike, I think Mark Davis has to have some really, if he hasn't already have some really heart to hearts with Mike Mayak and sit down and really figure out, is this the guy to be my GM or was it all of Gruden and, uh, you know, and in that sense, uh, it might play in Mike Mayock's favor because the drafts haven't been good for the most part. And, you know, Mike Mayak can say, hey, he was the guy in charge. You know, I was there, but he was the guy making the final call. So I think Mike Mayock's coming back. Um, I just have a feeling he's going to come back. And if he is going to come back, I would think he has some say in who the coach is. I, look, if I'm the GM, I better have saying who the coach is or I'm not going to be the GM. I mean, I, you have to have saying the coach, if not hire the coach with the owner's approval if you're the GM, right? So if Mike may ask the guy, I just don't think he's bringing Rich Misace back as the head
2: coach. Adam, any thoughts on that one?
4: It, it's, a, it's a tough call. And I it, it's a weird one because you feel like, you know, after all this you know scraping and clawing and putting this roster get together in the last couple of years to finally make the playoffs, and that's the time that you decide to fire the guy, it's, it, it's, it seems silly on the surface. Um, but it, it also feels... And again, like with Basaccia Mike Mayak pulled a lot of the right strings this year to try to, you know, to try to piece this together through all the all the drama and all the um the ups and downs and the craziness of the season. He, you know, brought the right guys in and you know signed some of the right guys along the way to to fill out the roster and, and handle some of the injuries and other things that the team went through and they made it to the playoffs. So you you think that he might have earned that opportunity. But I also feel like on some level, and and this is not you know us reporting on this this is just more of a feeling that with the way everything went down with gruden and how his hands were on every single decision that's been made the last four years i think there is a part of mark davis that might just want to completely cut ties with this era and say hey listen gruden's gone everybody associated with gruden's gone um we're starting over and you we know, don't want any of his you know, people in there. And and that's a possibility. And and I, you know, I, I think it's something that we have to at least consider that Mark Davis might be thinking about. But we also know from, you know, his aces, you know, for those that don't know, he also wins the Las Vegas Aces. And they just had a very strange coaching search where they didn't fire the coach. They had a very successful coach, kept him in place for most of the offseason and then made a big splash higher mm-hmm. um at the end of the offseason, which was uh kind of weird. Um, but you know, we we saw kind of how Mark Davis operates a little bit.
2: Alright, so we'll keep you updated throughout the offseason as we get into that with all of our podcasts and with everything the guys do on print and all their game recaps and everything, the columns Ed put out on um, Versace, the grades that they had on the game, um, everything up on VegasNation.com and of course check out all the podcasts throughout the week starting with first and ten then takeaways yeah. and of course these two Adam and Ed with unsportsmanlike conduct rounding out your week on Fridays uh, subscribe wherever you're listening to keep up to date with all of the latest and that'll do it for us for this Raiders season. Uh, Thanks to Ed Graney. Thanks to Adam Hill. They're great guys to work with out here in the field. I appreciate them both. And thank you everybody out there for listening.
0: (laughs) Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Steven Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.